XL, Charlotte Sports Live. And then there was one right now on Charlotte Sports Live. Just one Carolina team was able to punch its ticket to the College World Series, and they did it without even breaking a sweat. In NASCAR in wine country this weekend, but it's more like wind country for the number 19 car who once again proves he rules the road course. Welcome to Charlotte Sports Live. We are with you for the very next hour. Getting a little bit later start than yep. 1030, but Carla Gebhardt alongside Gabe McDonald, Mike Lissette joining us in just a minute. Gabe, have you had a good weekend? It's been pretty solid. We had FC back at home yesterday. This is good to have a lot going on. And I ate a lot at between two food oh. festivals that we had, so I'm trying to work that off. Got a decent workout in today, but hopefully we can get back to the groove this week. But I talking like about what we got going on in sports this weekend, we entered the weekend with three Carolina teams vying for a chance to go to Omaha, but only one is left standing tonight. But we start with another big week coming up for your Carolina Panthers. A mandatory minicamp yep. starts Tuesday. It goes through Thursday and it wraps up a long two months for players and coaches alike. That included voluntary minicamp, rookie minicamp, and three sessions of OTAs. Now, at that time, we've seen a lot like veterans Brady Christensen, DJ Chark, and Hayden Hurst coming back from injury or surgery. And maybe the most important observation of all, Bryce Young getting first team reps now. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable, I'm growing, and you know, really that's because of, because of the coaching staff who's done a great job of, um, you know, as, as things are going on, of, of coaching, um, not just on, you know, on the field, um, in the meeting room, everything, the players um, accepting me, pushing me, um, helping me, um, allowing me to feel comfortable um, with this group. Um, so because of that, you know, I, I definitely feel like I've grown. It's all a learning process. Um, you know, again, for me, I'm taking it day by day. I think every single, every single drill, every single period, I think that it has a purpose. And, you know, for me, I'm trying to tack it uh, day in and day out. I feel like, you know, everything is, you know, it, it's newer. Um, and then every day I feel like I'm, I'm growing. And again, that's credit to the people around me um, and you know I, I wouldn't feel like there's one period or, or, or part that I'm necessarily isolating or focusing on or, or feel one way about or the other I'm um, everything's important it's just the next step right I mean you know there's nothing I'm not saying there's really nothing to say other than hey we just wanted to move him up this week um, felt like it's been the right time he had a couple weeks to watch Andy um, that was really that was really good stuff and, and Andy's continued to perform at a very high level you know Bryce is doing well Matt's doing well it's you know we're just trying to get our team ready now looking at Pro Football Focus, they currently have Young ranked as the 25th best projected starting quarterback across the NFL. He ranks ahead of all other NFC South QBs except for the Saints' Derek Carr. Now here's a look at how the division has changed under center since just last year. PFF has Baker Mayfield, who's now in Tampa, ranked 28th, and Desmond Ritter, the pick from the Falcons last year, ranked 31st. Derek Carr is 14th. So Carla, you've been in OTAs, obviously right. a lot of sessions <clears throat> Do you think Bryce Young has shown us enough already to be QB1? Do you think there's still a lot left on the table for him? I mean, I think he has to continue to, to work and continue to show what he's got. But listen, I I have faith that Bryce Young is going to get to that point right. before we get to the season. I have more faith in the coaching staff, and I think that's the biggest thing, yeah. is that they're not going to put him in a situation where if he's not ready, they, they don't have to put him in right. that because exactly. they have Andy Dalton. They have – some other options to, to go ahead of Bryce until he is ready. But if they do feel that that he is ready, which obviously they do if they're moving him up before right. mandatory minicamp, then I trust their their judgment yeah. on this. And, and they said that this was the plan all along, but that they would have adjusted the plan if they needed to. Right, and I think we all saw this coming, but I still think, too, there's still a little bit left. I, th I want to see him in yeah. training camp. I think yeah. once we see the pads come on and we mm -hmm. see the joint practices, I think that's going to be a really crucial week. But 
so far, we've already seen him take ownership, which I think is big. And even just noticing certain things, like I remember just seeing errors in the play sheet and already being able to, you know, see the changes, make the corrections. That's what you want to see out of a young quarterback, especially when he has it up here, because yeah. that's going to make the big difference for him. But I think right now the plan is kind of going the way we all thought it would at this point. Yeah. But I think training camp is definitely going to show us a lot more. Yeah, and he's also asking the right questions, which I think is True. valid too. And you can tell just his persona. He's not a he's not a guy that's going to get in the locker room and try right. to tell other people what to do. He's trying to learn yeah. as much as he can. Exactly. He's like a sponge right now trying to soak it all in. But, uh, Gabe, can we get into some NASCAR? Because yeah. it was a pretty good race and today. We're about to have a break, uh, too, unfortunately. So we need to get to I, this race. I right know. Here. Let's go road course racing. And it's actually just the second time this season, which means it's also the second time that we have, haven't seen stage breaks during a race. Denny Hamlin won the pole over the weekend. And, and that's where he would stay until the end of the stage. And we're not really seeing the highlights right now because they're not playing. But, uh, anyway, Joe Gibbs struggled through this season, but really not today. Martin Truex Jr., was able to kind of get a hold of this lead, uh, Gabe, and, and it's a great shot of this uh, track, but yeah. Martin Truex Jr. was able to win, right. and we saw a lot of strategy come into play. I mentioned that there were no stage yeah. breaks in this, uh, um, but it was good to see him get this win, and he was pretty dominant, I yeah. felt. Yeah, oh, he definitely was. I mean, we talked all week about the Toyotas. Obviously, it's in the race name, too, but with Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr., just it's one thing about these road courses. We've seen guys like him, Tyler Reddick run really well, but I think it's really good for him to get a win, especially heading into the break. Right. And I think there's going to be a lot to talk about the second half of the year. But it was good to see him really being able to dominate the road course like we've seen him do uh, so far in his career. That's right. And it was also his fourth win at Sonoma. So let's go ahead and hear from the winner right now. This is why we do it, Jamie. This is, um, you know, this is why you go through years like we had last year. And you just keep fighting. You never give up on it. You, uh, you always believe in each other. You know, we haven't changed anything on our team other than, you know, parts and pieces. And um, and it's just through a lot of hard work of a lot of people. So uh, thanks to Coach and everybody. And um, our pit crew has been really working hard. They did a great job today. So it, it takes a total team effort these days as close as everything is with these cars. And you got to execute. We were able to do that today. So two wins for Martin Truex Jr. Really in the last six races for him. So that's a good start, especially because he had not won since 2021. But here's a look at the playoff board. Post-Sonoma, as it sits right now, Truex adding his name to the list of multi-win drivers and actually leads all drivers with 525 points. Ross Chastain and Kevin Harvick are at the top of list of drivers without wins, but they're sitting pretty safely in the points category. Alex Bowman still above the cutoff line despite missing some races due to injury, which is really incredible that he is still yeah. above the cut line. And then Daniel Suarez and Ty Gibbs, those are the first two out. But I mean, we've seen a lot of winners and, and yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't know if we necessarily thought we would uh, in the year two of the right. next gen car, but it's been interesting. I know we saw um, Chase Elliott kind of back in the top right. five today. He's certainly though going to have to get a win True. if he wants to make the playoffs. And I, and I think he's definitely due for one. I think he'll get one eventually. I think this break is probably going to help him and yeah. a lot of other drivers. But when you look at the cutoff line, 15 to 19 only separated for by 37 points. Mm -hmm. Going to be a lot of tight race between those guys. Obviously, Bubba Wallace really having a solid year, too. I think yeah. he's obviously above the cutoff line now, but I'm sure he's another guy that really wants to get a win as well. But there's going to be a lot to talk about because we've already had a lot of parity so far. I think that's going to continue as we move to the second half of the year. And it's very interesting, too. I know a lot of the NASCAR drivers are probably breathing a sigh of relief yeah. to get a week off. They only get one week off, which is really crazy. Yeah. But then you've got guys like Kyle Busch saying, uh, I'm kind of on a hot streak right yeah, now. I want to keep – Yeah, he wants to keep going. Well, so. another thing to look forward to, that street race in Chicago. Yeah. Do not wait for that. Well, we're going to move from the racetrack to the diamond. We didn't have much drama in college baseball for our North Carolina teams. In fact – 
pretty early on in the Super Regional Games, we knew which team was moving on and which one was going home. Our man Mike Lissette is here to break it all down. What's good, Mike? Yeah, Gabe, you mentioned breakdowns. There were none for the top team in the line. I'm talking about Wake Forest, who looked downright unstoppable in Game 2 of their Super Regional against Alabama. The Demon Deacons needed a win to close out the best-of-three series in Winston-Salem. Brock Wilkins set the tone early first inning. He adds to his team's two-run lead with this solo blast, the first of his three home runs on the day. However, he was not doing it alone. Third inning, this was a few moments after Wilkin hit his second homer of the day. Danny Corona getting one for himself. This was a three-run shot that really blew the game wide open. It was 9-3 wake. Corona, by the way, had another bomb in the ninth. But by that point, this one was long over. Eighth inning, how about a grand slam? Certainly no problem for Merrick Houston. Wake as a team tied an NCAA tournament record with nine homers. They go on to win this one 22-5. The Demon Deacons now on their way to the College World Series for the first time in 60 years. I mean, while things didn't go quite as well for Duke in their all-or-nothing third game against Virginia, Cavs doing a number on them in the second. They already had scored three that inning. We'll go ahead and add a couple more thanks to this two-RBI single from Kyle Teal. Blue Devils were down 5-0. Now, they did show signs of life in the sixth. Jay Bashir's finally able to make a dent on the deficit with this two-run shot that just made it out of the park. It made the score 5-2 Virginia. However, it would be as close as Duke would get. In fact, it was the only time they scored today. Virginia, on the other hand, well, there was more damage to be done. Ethan Anderson in the sixth. A two-run homer, 62 years and counting. Not a college World Series for Duke as they fall in this one by the count of 12-2. Virginia looked really good, yeah. but they and everyone else, I don't think, are going to beat Wake Forest. No. Uh, that team is for real. A lot of offense, nine homers today. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat out in Omaha. Yeah, especially when you got a, a guy like Rhett Lauder, ACC yeah. Pitcher of the Year, who's <clears throat> unbeaten. Definitely a scary team that's going to have a, a lot of, of guys chasing after them, but I don't think anybody can touch them. But Wake, I mean, LSU and Florida, other teams to watch out as well. I just I can't wait for them to all get to Omaha because that yeah. is just such a fun tournament to watch when they all get there. And it's good to have representation, obviously, sure. from the Carolinas. Thanks, Mike. But let's talk about Charlotte FC because it wasn't a win last night for them, but it kind of maybe felt like one. And there was some history made by one Charlotte player. We're going to recap a wild night at the bank. That's next. Plus, a trip down memory lane. The sweet racing memories feeling one true NASCAR fan's passion. You're watching Charlotte Sports Live. We're back in two minutes. Now flipping it back out. Headed away is Lapkiss. And now an open net. Oh, Charlotte taking advantage. One of Charlotte FC's very own making history today. Fresh off his first MLS goal last night, Pat Patrick Ajumong got the scoring started in today's crown legacy match in Columbus. He's now the first player in league history to score in an MLS and MLS Next Pro game in the same weekend. And even though Charlotte couldn't come out with a win last night against Seattle, the team has to feel pretty good after putting up a great fight to end in a draw with one of the top teams in the league. The crown rallied from behind three different times with three players each recording their first career goals with the club. That includes captain Ashley Westwood, who nodded the game up at two early in the second half. However, once again, Charlotte head coach Christian Latanzio was critical of the officiating, saying last night that the referees had a bad game. Charlotte had four yellow cards to Seattle's one. Something Latanzio says can make a big difference in the outcome of the matches. 
I think this is happening too many times to Charlotte. I understand that maybe we are still a young team, but I don't, uh, I cannot accept that. The home away, we are always, when it's a 50-50 decision, is always for the opposition. So I thought that that also has an impact, you know, because little situations at the highest level, they make a big difference. One plus one plus one plus one, it makes a big difference. Charlotte now has a 10-day break. The next match is on the road on June 21st against the New York Red Bulls. We're back with Mike Lissette. And Mike, the hardest thing about growing up is getting rid of all of your toys along the way. I know for me, getting rid of my wrestling action figures back in the day was pretty tough. You know, some of us actually never got rid of all their toys. <laughs> They're still in a tub, in their closet, and it's the reason why we can't put our clothes away in that closet, <laughs> or so I've heard. A Charlotte man is still adding to his collection, though. He started as a kid. As Queen City News reporter John Lee explains, his passion is fueled by sweet racing memories. Life comes at you fast. A lot of cars have a story. The pace is enough to almost knock your socks off. Charlie Haywood fights for pole position in a race to remember some of auto racing's greatest moments. We have those memories um, connected to him. In the comfort of home, he balances the need for speed with the need to feel like a kid again. Anything with an engine. <laughs> His address might as well be Penske Way. Trevor Bain cars up here. Those are from his Daytona 500 win. Let's cut to the Chase Elliott. Charlie's memorabilia includes some 2,000 die-cast vehicles. It's a really cool car. It makes him reminisce about Ryan Blaney's wild 2018 finish at the Bank of America Roval 400 here in Charlotte. It takes me back to that moment. Like, you know, I can feel myself, the emotion that I felt. The autographed Joey Logano car commemorates a run at Rockingham. My dad went as a photographer. This was the last race he shot, and so that's why this car has always been significant to me. He grew up seeing the sport through his daddy's lens. So that's really where the passion um, comes from. Four years ago, the Fanatic found another gear. I'm just trying to capture um, different angles. Like his father, the Charlotte grad loves photography. He shares images of his collection as UNCC diecast boy on Instagram. You know, you kind of educate them a little bit um, about history, I guess. Um, and so it's always nice. Sometimes people, you know, teach me things. With so many collectibles, there are always plenty of photo ops. The entire apartment, including this racing simulator, is a celebration of life in the fast lane. But it's what we found upstairs that took us on a stroll down memory lane. Up in his closet, there's a small box that might as well be a time machine. 2011 and 2012 season. So the first one we have here is the um, David Reagan Where's Waldo car. As a child, he let the good times roll. Notice how he meticulously arranges them on his desk. I always had the cars in the rug, you know, while the race is on TV, you know, I'm racing down here. The diecast diehard hasn't outgrown them yet, and each car is a snapshot of his checkered flag past. In Charlotte, John Lee, Queen City News. That is quite a collection. Straight ahead on CSL, American football has gone international in a big way. But it is not the version of the sport you're thinking of. We'll tell you about that as well as a big event coming to Charlotte next month.
And Charlotte is in the running for a Premier League lacrosse team. Would it be a good fit? We discuss in Quick 6. The sport you used to play at recess has gone worldwide. Flag football has been gaining in popularity over the last couple of years, and now an international competition is coming here to Charlotte next month. USA football is both a men's and women's national team that's largely comprised of former Division I athletes. Along with their two junior teams, they've been getting set for the event over the last couple of weeks, right here in the Queen City. It's so competitive. Um, I don't think people understood before they started watching it, like how how good these girls are out here. You know, um, it's it the low levels, the high levels, the youth levels, the new levels. Like everybody's just a, a competitor out here, and it's just amazing of how you know it can just draw somebody in. What? Clark, by the way, is a former track star at UNC. Next month's event will run from the fifth to the seventh at the United States Performance Center near UNC Charlotte. It is free to the public. I think we should put a team together on Charlotte Sports Live. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, now it is should. time for our quick six. So we have our team, but we have an addition tonight. Meteorologist Andrew Brightman joining us. <laughs> and Andrew, this is your first time uh, doing quick six, right? Since I've been here at Queen City News for now about nine, ten months, I have been waiting for this uh, night, Carla. I'm this is your moment. This are, is I moment. hope you are ready, prepared emotionally, physically, spiritually for this. <laughs> All right, let's put two minutes on the clock. But, Gabe, you get the first question. From what you've seen of Bryce Young and the other rookie quarterbacks so far, did Carolina make the right choice? I believe so. I think it's a little too early to tell, like I alluded to earlier. I think once we get to training camp, see those joint practices, I think then we'll really see a barometer. But I think so far they definitely have. All right, Andrew. Queen City News aired a story last week on how warmer temperatures are leading to more home runs in MLB parks. Do you think it's good or bad for the sport? Yeah, that was a great piece by Alisa talking about that. Overall, I think it's good for the game. Offense is always better. <laughs> when I was playing baseball growing up, my hitting coach would say, hey, chicks, dig the long ball. Probably why I was single all the way through high school. <laughs> but overall, people like offense. I think this is going to help baseball. That combined with the pitch clock, I really think is good for the game. We've got to have you on Quick 6 more often. That was a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, how confident are you in the Panthers roster now compared to last point, at least at this point in the season? I think a lot more confident this year, but I'm really confident in the coaching staff, and I think a lot of the fans are too, and I think that's what's giving them the edge, at least in terms of preseason predictions in my mind right now. All right, Gabe, the Premier Lacrosse League played four matches here this weekend. Do you think there's enough interest for Charlotte to get its own team? I believe so, because I think the hype is really picking up. We had the ACC Women's Tournament here at American Legion Stadium. The Men's Tournament's coming back. I think Syracuse and John Hopkins playing a game here, two of the top programs in the country. I think we're good in the running. I think Charlotte would definitely support it. All right, Andrew, you're part of the CSL Basketball Club <laughs> on Tuesdays that I have not yet uh, acquainted myself with yet. You got to call. Um, to stop. You all right, to be there. that's not a part of the question, Mike. Oh, okay. Which right. NBA player is your game modeled after? I model my game after a man who's overlooked, disrespected, <laughs> but comes through in the clutch, and that's Robert Horry. You know, Gabe likes to talk a little bit of smack to me during the game, but when the time counts, I'll hit a three right in his face. That's, that's fair. That's fair. They said that, yeah, that's you make fair. some good shots. All right, Mike, if you had to give up watching wrestling or playing basketball for the rest of your life, what would you choose? You can't ask me to do this. Oh. I, I just did, so, yes, I can. I guess, I guess wrestling. I guess wrestling. Wow. Mm, that's, that's, wow. that's really Shocking. tough. That is really On tough. On the record. That hard, is on the record. Question. And so is Andrew on Quick 6. We appreciate you joining us tonight, Andrew. No, great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, well, we've got massive breaking news in the golf world this past week, and many PGA pros have aired their grievances since. It's just one of the stories that we're going to wrap up in our Week in Review.
And 24 Hours of Le Mans is in the books tonight. How NASCAR stole the spotlight in the prestigious race. We got more CSL on the other side. Welcome back inside Charlotte Sports Live. Still another half hour ahead of us. Gabe McDonald, Carla Gebhardt, and Carla. This was a big week for national and local sports headlines. Yeah, it really was. And it's time to review some of the biggest things to, that have happened this week. But none were bigger, Gabe, than the announcement yeah. that the PGA Tour and the Live Tour were going to be functioning under the same umbrella. Yeah, we were all shook after we heard yeah. that one. And many are still trying to work through the details of the partnership that the PGA and Live Tour have seemingly formed. One of those is Rory McIlroy, who is a spokesperson of the PGA Tour and really went to battle for the future of the game. Ahead of this week's RBC Canadian Open, the four-time major winner told reporters he hates live golf and hopes it will dissolve at the end of the season. And while he's not happy with PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan, he's resigned to the fact that in the end, this could be a good thing for the sport. It's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and, you know, feeling like I've put myself out there and this is what happens. Again, Removing myself from the situation, I see how this is better for the game of golf. There's no denying that. But for me as an individual, yeah, I, there's just going to have to be conversations that are had. McElroy says it's not going to be easy welcoming back those who left the PGA Tour over the last 18 months. Certainly not, and some high emotion there, but some happy emotion for many across the state who are celebrating the fact that the North Carolina House gave its final approval on a sports betting bill that legalizes sports gambling on a mobile device and a few select sports venues across the state. It passed with a vote of 68 to 45 earlier this week and is now just waiting on Governor Roy Cooper's signature. The official launch is expected to start uh, at the beginning of 2024, and as Capitol reporter Michael Hyland reports, companies are already lining up to get involved with this. North Carolina will soon join other states like Virginia and Tennessee in letting you bet on sports online and on the go on your phone. John Pappas works for a company called GeoComply, which makes sure people bet in a place where it's legal. So we'll be working with regulators and operators to create those maps and and, and create a, a, a real airtight virtual boundary around the state. The dots on this map from GeoComply represent 1.5 million transactions by people in North Carolina attempting to access sports betting sites in the first five months of this year. They come from more than 150,000 individual accounts and were blocked from betting. Papa says some people turn to illegal sites. We believe that the regulated market will push out the illegal market. Uh, consumers want legal options. They want to be able to put their money on and know they're going to get their money off. Based on what's happened in other states, he expects demand will be high initially. Democratic Representative Pricey Harrison voted against the bill, concerned it doesn't generate enough revenue for the state and that horse racing bets would become legal too. The horse racing is a particular concern to me. I'm just, you know, on the heels of Churchill down, shutting down because that euthanized 12 horses over a period of five weeks. But other lawmakers who opposed mobile sports betting last year changed their minds this year, giving supporters the votes they needed to get it through this time. And continuing our weekend review and moving to college athletic, Charlotte 49ers men's basketball coach Ron Sanchez resigned earlier this week, taking assistant head coaching job at Virginia. Now, Sanchez coached at UVA prior to coming to Charlotte. He took over the Niner program in 2018 and has a 72-78 and 78 record over the past five years. Charlotte says a national search is now underway. The one-name sources say that is popping up early is Isaac Brown. He last coached for Wichita State for three seasons with one NCAA tournament appearance. He was let go from the program back in March.
And NASCAR hit a huge milestone, quite literally competing in the 100th running of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, the first time since 1976. And Hendrick Motorsports celebrated that really the completion of this race, as even that is really a feat in this event. Jimmy Johnson was able to close out the 24-hour race with the car finishing in 39th place overall and 10th in the GTE class. It, of course, was not eligible for any of the victory classes, but still gave pretty cool to see yeah. such an innovative Camaro in such a prestigious race out there. That's something I would love to actually go to at some yeah. point. We're back here on the home front. Noah Gregson had to sit out of the race earlier today in Sonoma due to concussion-like symptoms from a hit he took out at Gateway last week. NASCAR also announcing they're making some changes to the next-gen car to elevate driver safety. Changes to the front bumper, front clip, and center clip will be made ahead of the night race coming up in Atlanta. And you mentioned Gregson there. He's going to have an extra week of recovery since NASCAR is now on their midsummer break. Truex gets the win today in Sonoma, and now they get a full week off, and they're going to be back in action at Nashville Super Speedway on July, or excuse me, June 25th. That's not the only big race of the second half of this season, though. As colleague racing's Justin Haley explains, there's plenty to be excited for when the drivers return back to action. I always enjoy going to uh, Indy. I, you know, grew up in Indiana, so um, always enjoy going there. I mean, that's a little, little bit later, um, but yeah, Chicago obviously is going to be uh, a spectacle. I mean, I feel like we're all kind of excited to get there and, and see what it is. And um, from all the things NASCAR has shown us, it's going to be pretty cool. So um, yeah, some exciting races to to you know go to here after the uh the summer break our one week off and we've got more coming up on that race with a ride around the track of the chicago street course that's coming up here and all good things must come to an end just ask the atlanta braves see how their seven game winning streak was snapped this afternoon plus financial troubles for valley sports could leave you in the dark when it comes to watching your favorite teams we dive into the legal fight with the sports valuations reporter that's next when csl returns Financial troubles could take some of the buzz out of the Hornets. Bally Sports is filing for bankruptcy, and the company could have an impact. not meant to be Alex Call. Look at this catch. Denying Michael Harris of a two-run homer. Atlanta's win streak is history. The Braves fall on this one by the count of 6-2. And here in the Carolinas, they love their Panthers, Hornets, and Hurricanes. And don't forget about the state's adopted MLB team, the team you just saw there, the Braves. Three of those four teams play a majority of their games on Valley Sports. That's right. The Regional Sports Network owner recently filed for bankruptcy, though. Queen City News anchor Julian Sadir was joined this week by someone following that situation pretty closely. Let's listen. 
Financial troubles could take some of the buzz out of the Hornets. Bally Sports is filing for bankruptcy, and the company could have an impact on people who watch the Hornets and the Hurricanes and the Atlanta Braves. All of that. Sportico reporter Kurt Badenhausen is joining us to talk about the company's bankruptcy and how it could affect some of the Queen City's favorite teams. And Kurt, let's kind of back up here because something significant happened last week in terms of that lawsuit with Bally Sports and the MLB, the court ruling in favor of the MLB. But break it down for us simpletons. What does that mean? Well, th this all stems back to 2019 uh, when Sinclair bought 21 RSNs. And the deal included a ton of debt, $10.6 billion deal. It was almost all done with debt. And that's the problem that we've run into now. The existing company, Diamond Sports Group, filed for bankruptcy back in March because they couldn't, they couldn't produce enough income to service all that debt. So right now, the battle is going on in terms of those RSNs that particularly for baseball are really the economic foundation uh, because of the 162 game schedule. Uh, it's very lucrative, those rights. And right now they're going through and Diamond Sports is deciding in bankruptcy which deals they want to continue with and which deals are not profitable. And so the deals right now, uh, they ruled... The court ruled last week that the four teams that their baseball teams they were talking about in particular, they have to receive their full rights fee. But what we've seen is the Padres, they've cut bait with the Padres right now. The Padres just lost their $60 million a year deal. And so we kind of talked on it right there. And you mentioned it, the Padres, they lost their deal. The MLB has taken over uh, broadcasting those games. Obviously, for fans of the MLB here, this is Braves country for a lot of people. But we were talking as we were coming uh, out of break there. You don't see the Braves RSN changing at all with Bally's because the Braves are making them a lot of money. A hundred percent. That that deal will continue on. Bally's is looking at the deals that make economic sense for them. Braves are, it's a very, <laughs> Braves get a big check, but they also generate a lot of revenue for Bally's. So I, I think what we're looking at is a transition period right now. Baseball wants to move to a situation where everybody can have access to every game wherever they are in the country. Right now, because of blackout rules, because of the existing RSN contracts, that doesn't exist. But I think we are going to move to that situation uh, over time where where that over-the-air component exists uh, through an RSN or another broadcast partner. And then you also have a streaming option where you can also watch games and not have these kind of restrictions. So that's what's going on with the negotiations right now in bankruptcy court. Baseball has a very combative relationship with Diamond Sports. We saw Rob Manfred testify last week, and you saw just how much uh, bad blood there is between the two groups. That doesn't really exist in NBA and NHL. They they're, they're have a more cooperative relationship and are looking for a path forward with Diamond Sports. And I realize we're talking inside baseball, no pun intended. RSN for our viewers there who aren't familiar, Regional Sports Network. But talk about basketball there because obviously Bally's is our home for the Hornets, our home for the Hurricanes in the NHL. But you don't see any changes happening in that realm. Well, we're going to have to see. Right now, all the focus is on baseball and all the focus is on baseball for two reasons. It's in season. Um, and also they provide the biggest pay paychecks. It's, it represents about 23% of Major League Baseball revenue, a much smaller component of NBA and NHL. And once the NBA does their new national TV deals with 
TNT, ESPN, whoever those other national broadcasters are bid, it's going to be even a smaller part of that revenue. But the NBA and NHL are both committed to moving forward with whatever situation in terms of having those deals uh, in place for fans next season. Kurt, uh, if you can break out the crystal ball here, I know it's many MLB fans' dream, mine included, and you kind of touched on it, to get rid of the blackouts. Because even though we're in Braves country, I know we got Yankees fans here, Orioles fans here, Phillies fans here. Uh, do you ever see a, a scenario where we get rid of the blackouts and people are able to watch their teams wherever they want to? Oh, it's coming. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, right now, it's just a battle over the timeline. Is it 12 months? Is it two years? Is it five years? Uh, but but that's what Major League Baseball wants. And, and the teams recognize that. And so it, it's a negotiation about who's going to control those rights. Because the streaming rights are actually the teams control them and Major League Baseball controls them. There's, there's two different parts of the streaming rights. And, and so all the parties have to get on board, uh, as well as those uh, regional sports networks, because Bally's model moving forward, Diamond Sports model moving forward, is they want to create a streaming service with uh, the 16 or so teams that they control Major League Baseball rights. Right now, they only have those streaming rights for four or five teams. And so they've only had about 200,000 people sign up for them. They want 8, 10 million people to sign up to stream Major League Baseball games. Uh, to your point, be able to watch one game, be able to sign up for a package of games, uh, to be able to do it wherever they are. And so, so that is coming. It's, it's just negotiation between all the parties, uh, that control the rights. Well, there is one thing for certain, Kurt, is that we are on the verge of changing from what we traditionally know with our regional sports networks. Potentially we get to a point where we don't have blackouts and Kurt, I think everybody would be happy to see that. Maybe not the regional sports networks, but Hey, we're happy to have you on the show and happy that there's some sort of movement there. Kurt, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, if you're wondering what the Chicago Street course is going to look like, well, good news. We've got a first look at it with someone who's going to get a race on it July 2nd. That's coming up when Charlotte Sports Live returns. serious oh my goodness what a call right there by Jim Nance but this could be the putt of the year Nick Taylor buries the 72 eagle foot eagle putt to win the RBC Canadian Open he's the first Canadian to do so since 1954 an amazing putt and an amazing moment the Windy City will soon take center stage in the racing world NASCAR is ready to hold its first ever event a street race through the streets of Chicago that's right, but how is it all going to work? The track is already being built, and I got to drive it with one of the sports kings of the road courses, Colleague Racing's A.J. Amendinger. All right, so we're here with A.J. Amendinger, Cup Series driver for the Chicago Street Course. And A.J., we are in literal rush hour right now as we drive through the street course. It's going to be a little bit different view for you uh, the first weekend in July, but uh, this is pretty special to at least know the, the, the route of this. I'm hoping less cars in front of me, quite honestly. Yeah. There's a lot of cars <laughs> and a lot of traffic in front of me. Uh, so less cars, but yeah, just to be able to be in downtown Chicago at the street race, the inaugural event, 
such a historical city, historical sporting just background of, of what Chicago is. So to be able to have a street course race here in Chicago and be at the first one is it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, and your viewpoint is going to be a lot different. Going to be a lot, obviously, a little bit lower in your vehicle, strapped up a lot more safely than you are right now. When you look at the map and you've got the map pulled up, up on your phone, what's maybe something that kind of really stands out to you about this course? Well, yeah, we just went down the, the long back straightaway. We're going to be carrying a lot of speed. And uh, as we turn into to basically turn four and turn five sections, track really narrows up. So I think that stands out right away is the fact that, you know, we're at times this racetrack can be very wide, but it also narrows up very quick. So as race car drivers, our eyes get very big, especially when we're trying to make a pass. Like, look at all this room we got. Right. So much room for activities. And then <laughs> uh, next thing you know, you get down in the corner and it's super narrow. So that's gonna be the biggest thing. And But that's what street course racing is, is when you get down into a corner like that and with concrete walls up, you know, you make a small mistake, you get in just a little bit too deep, uh, you're gonna pay a big price for it. Let's look at the map again. Where are we in the grand scheme of things on this course right now? So if I if I if I got it right, and our <laughs> our great driver Julie can let me know, I think we're going to turn eleven right now. And A lot of turns. so yeah. yeah, so what's going to be real fun about this corner is we're rolling into the restart zone as well. So as we go up, go up over this rise to get ready for the last turn, which is turn twelve, this is also going to be the restart zone. So we're gonna be firing off too wide into turn 12, going down this long front straightaway. Uh, and as we make the corner, the checker so gonna we're gonna be halfway down. But what the thing is, is this looks very wide right now, which is great, right. but this is also the pit lane as well. Uh, so this right isn't gonna be that wide. Uh, and we're gonna go down the front straightaway in the start finish line. But yeah, it's, as we just felt, there's a lot of challenges on this racetrack that are demanding you to make mistakes. Who's going to start this? Did you pick this? the music or did he? <laughs> I did That's not pick the know. music, but it is very <laughs> yeah. Chicago-esque. Uh, I think the biggest thing, I know we're going to talk about where else we want to see this, this yeah. road course or street course, excuse me. Um, but just being there, it was really hard. Even we were driving, it was hard yeah. to picture what it's going to be like. And I think when... When NASCAR finally gets up there and, and the drivers get up there, it's going to be quite the spectacle to yeah. just kind of see. Especially that restart zone. That is going to be something to see coming out of the cautions. But I think some other cities I'd like to see a street race. Obviously, I'm biased to Louisiana this, yeah. New Orleans for yes, sure. Yeah. I think another dark horse, I know the elevation, San Fran would be interesting as well with uh, all yeah. the hills. I don't know with if that's possible, but those two. There's a video game I used to play. It was called Cruising USA, yeah. where you would go through the streets of San Francisco, and it was a hard, hard yeah. little track yeah. there. I, I, I think, like I've said to you before, I think it'd be cool to somehow bring NASCAR to the Big Apple, and I think yeah. to, to, to I do think it in New York City. I don't know if I mean, my goodness gracious! I remember when they shot the movie Ghostbusters, they they basically took up one street of Central Park and ended up sh shutting down about 80% of Manhattan. I don't wow. know how it's possible So to, to do that and not affect the entire city and the traffic flow would be tough. Yeah, I think you look at any major city and it would be great be to fun. see them there. Just the fact that NASCAR is able to do something new still after 75 years is a pretty cool thing yeah. and I can't wait to see it. I know we were talking about that. We were like, man, we wish we were going to yeah. be up in Chicago for this. Uh, Will actually might be going. I can't. Possibly. I don't know. But for fun. It'll be fun so, to watch, though. Yeah, he's sure. got to pay the bill for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, for once in his life, Tom Brady wasn't the most celebrated athlete in the stadium today at the French Open men's final. You can find out.
who outshined Tom Terrific and earned some pretty hardware too. We can find that out next when we hand out our QC crowns. Well, guys, before you know it, football will be back at the bank for real. Just 62 days until the Panthers and Jets kick off the preseason slate on August 12th. Carolina travels to Jersey the following week to face the Giants before returning home against the Lions. You can catch the Jets and Giants games right here on your home with the Panthers, Queen City News. And now it is time to end the weekend with our QC crowns. Carla, who you got? All right, this is a good one. It's going to a lot of different people, but one group specifically to the Fox family at NASCAR. We're talking Shannon Spake, Josh Sims, Caitlin Vincy, Larry Mack. I mean, just the whole gang, the pit road team. This appreciation gave for their dedication to the NASCAR season, and now they get a little bit of a break. Of course, they still got Race Hub on weekdays, and they covered the truck series on the weekend, but just a great first half to the season. Yeah, it's always great to hear my man Larry Mack breaking yes. things down. Love chopping it up with him. Well, my crown going out to one of the best we've ever seen, not just in tennis, but all sports. Novak Djokovic rewriting the history books today by winning the 2023 French Open, now has the most all-time majors on the men's side with 23. Just one more until he ties Margaret Court for the most all-time on the men's and women's side. Incredible. All right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll see you right back here tomorrow night.